I'm really quite sore today. I was playing pickleball yesterday, uh, which is a, a brand new sport. Not a whole lot of people have heard of it. Actually, I take that back. There's a ton of people that have heard of it. They just happen to all be seniors and you know, six, 60 years plus. Uh, but I love the game. It's really fun. It's kind of like a mix between badminton and tennis. Well, let's start with uh, question number one um, from uh, score of zero to 10, with 10 being uh, the worst pain you've ever felt. Um, how bad is your pain today? Yeah, I'd probably give it like a seven. Okay, okay. And, and um, you know, which, which arm do you use to, to play pickleball with? Mostly right hand. Okay, and how would you say that the range of motion is on, on, on your shoulder? <laughs> how, how many degrees can you, of rotation can you get there? Wouldn't it be amazing, Josh, if we could collect this kind of information all the time from, you know, not just people like myself going out and playing a, a sport, but actually getting it from patients after a surgery, let's say, and, and quantifying this, uh, this data. So, so you're saying in, instead of just the outcomes being reported by, by clinicians, you're saying what if patients could report outcomes? Exactly. <laughs> Excellent, we made it. Great idea. Last week we were talking about, you know, conducting research on digital patient engagement and we touched on the topic of patient reported outcomes because that's a, a, a huge component of what digital patient engagement uh, allows for is collecting these outcomes from patients and collecting the patient voice. And so we figured, you know, that's a topic in itself, and uh, why not take the time today to really dig into the, the, the power of patient-reported outcomes uh, on uh, digital patient engagement platforms. Um, what do you think, Josh? Is this a good episode? I think it's a great idea. Let's get into it. <laughs> okay, awesome. Uh, do you need a minute to get set up, or, or you're good? No, I'm good. Let's go for okay. it. Okay, awesome. So where I thought maybe we could start um, is if you wanted to give maybe a bit of a background on patient-reported outcomes. Uh, for example, why is the patient voice important to capture uh, for healthcare, but surgery maybe specifically or, or other use cases as you see fit? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think, um, you know, healthcare has been pretty good in general at, at measuring things. Um, you know, we, we do a pretty good job at capturing a number of different clinical outcome metrics. So, Lots of work being done on, on tracking outcomes such as length of stay, readmission rates, infection rates, and other complication rates, um, readmissions, ER visit rates, mortality rates. Um, so we, we collect all kinds of metrics and, and clinical outcomes, uh, and, and you know we've been doing that for for decades. Um, but I think one of the things that's transpired in the last you know um, several decades, particularly you know given that uh, you know, patients are living longer, um, and healthcare is becoming more and more patient-centric. And I think now the term people are using is maybe uh, patients as consumers and making it more consumer-centric is how do we actually measure outcomes that patients really care about? Because um, as much as healthcare providers, you know, really care about clinical outcomes, and as much as we you know, we assume patients would care about a lot of these clinical outcomes as well. When you talk to patients, you find that often their goals for their own health care are, are sometimes quite, quite different. So, um, you know, imagine a patient who, you know, has knee arthritis, they're 75 years old, and they're going to need a knee replacement surgery. And if you were to ask, um, you know, historically, the surgeon, 
well, you know, what's a great outcome for a patient? In the past, they might have told you things such as, well, you know, if we can avoid compl like complications, avoid a, a joint infection, avoid a readmission, avoid, you know, a death, you know, those were, would be important things. But then if you ever asked a, a 75 year old, you know, uh, maybe grandmother uh, of several kids, you know, what's important to her um, as part of her journey having, um, you know, improvements in her knee, she might tell you things such as, well, I want to have less pain, or I want to be able to um, do certain activities again, or I want to walk my, my daughter, my granddaughter down the aisle. Um, and so there's all these other outcomes that, that patients tend to care about. And for a long time, we just, we didn't capture their voice in this process. And I think patient reported outcomes have been transformative for healthcare and, and bring the patient voice back into how we uh, measure how well we deliver healthcare. Definitely. And I think, you know, in today's world, we're, we're catching up to that. Payers are incentivizing providers, like you mentioned, with, you know, a knee replacement, collecting validated surveys like the WHOOS survey or the COOS survey. Um, is now being tied into reimbursement. Um, what would you say are some of the limitations be behind uh, collecting these and capturing these patient-reported outcomes today? Yeah, well, I mean, I think uh, we've done a pretty good job, uh, you know, in healthcare to start collecting patient-reported outcomes for, uh, you know, probably the last, I want to say, maybe 10 to 20 years, particularly pretty good in the last 10 years. Um, but a lot of the validated patient-reported outcome surveys that are, are administered, so you know, the who's and cues in, in, in you know, total joint replacement, um, things like the BR12, the PROMISE10, the EQ5D, there's also like these um, more general quality of life uh, survey measures, and there's a host of other specific survey tools for different healthcare conditions and surgeries. But one of the limitations historically is that these surveys were being collected at very a few time points in a patient journey. So often we would collect these, let's say, a few weeks, let's say for surgery, a few weeks pre-op, we'd collect some maybe 30 days post-op, maybe again at three months, six months, 12 months post-op. Um, so maybe anywhere between two and four time points in that patient journey, we would collect these patient-reported outcomes, um, which are which is better than nothing, Alan. Um, but if you think about the fact that there are so many days in between the start and finish of an episode, just imagine how many data points we're missing that could really help us understand the real patient experience. But I mean, given that usually we were expecting patients to fill out surveys in the waiting room, or maybe we were calling patients to fill out surveys, you can understand why organizations and providers weren't collecting you know, daily patient data, no one was going to call a patient every day just to have them answer 10 or, or 20 question surveys, just not, wasn't feasible. And, and oftentimes, you know, those questions would be repeated. So it might be like, you know, day one, and then if you were to ask them again on the second day, it might be the exact same set of questions. And after, you know, a certain number of days, patients aren't going to necessarily want to keep answering those same questions, especially let's say their pain is down to zero. At that point, they're not going to keep, you know, engaged with that. Um, yeah, or, or even like imagine you you do you know thousands or tens of thousands of, of, of patient journeys every year. You know how many staff members would it take to hire to call every single one of those patients? You know for twelve months straight. I mean, totally. they're not going to do that scalably. It's definitely not scalable for that. And then I think you know they they then would send out the surveys in the mail or something like that, but the response rates were never great. And 
That's well, obviously a limitation. I mean, but I mean, the, the, the lift on that, I mean, when people talk about, you know, things like HCAP surveys and, and patient satisfaction surveys, the response rates are so low. I mean, the friction you have where you have to get the envelope, open it up, bubble in a bunch of things, <laughs> then, you know, find a mailbox, mail right. it back in. I mean, like, the, the amount of effort it takes and, and what's the value to the patient filling these out? I think that's the, the one of the most important parts there is, is there they, value for the patient? What do they get? It's, yeah. it's like, why, why are they going to not only fill this out, but then put it back in the mailbox for you? Or, or you know, why is a patient going to come visit you six months after the surgery just to fill out a survey? Mm -hmm. why, why would they do that? What if they live three hours away? Right. What, yeah. what, what if it's COVID-19? Who's, go who's going to come back in just to fill out a survey? It's just that it's not feasible right now to, to expect patients to do these things when it's not clear of value they're, they're going to get, frankly, um, from, from, from giving this data back. So as much as we, we want to collect these things, we've got to make it easy and we've got to make it valuable for patients. Yeah, absolutely. And so it, it, we, you've kind of hinted at a potential solution and the solution that, that we're positioned as. Um, why would you say digital is better for collecting uh, patient reported outcomes? Yeah, well, well, one is, uh, I mean, as much as much as this, is, this shouldn't be the right answer, the truth is that um, our healthcare providers are busy, and I think for one, um, the fact that we can use digital platforms to automate sending, you know, these patient-reported outcome surveys to patients is a huge one. I mean, the fact that um, without even having to inform a provider that a survey is going out, it just goes on its own and then it, it, and we can prompt the patient and we can use text, we can use email, we can prompt them in an application on their phone. I mean, it just saves staff so much time. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, the, the stories I hear Alan, about like phone tag, imagine you're uh, a research uh, coordinator or, or nurse manager and you call a patient and you go to voicemail and then you have to call them again later, you have to keep track of that. It's just, mm -hmm. it's asking for a lot on top of responsibilities. Yeah. yeah. And keeping in mind, you have, you know, 10,000 patients that you have to collect these scores from. That's going to take oh, yeah. a lifetime. You, you gotta, yeah. You got to be on the phone. You got to actually write down their answers. Maybe you can port that into a database later. It's just like, it's, it, it's insane the amount of work yeah. you have to do. Absolutely. So collecting patient reported outcomes digitally and, and not just, I'm not just talking about like a, a digital patient engagement, like even just any means through digital is a, through a website, through a, you know, presumably a uh, HIPAA compliant uh, method, we're able to collect scores from patients remotely. So that's one benefit. They don't have to drive that three hours to get back to the hospital. Yeah, the the patient know. doesn't have to have to come in. Yeah. And, and especially at those, those timestamps, like six months after their procedure, when they're not even thinking about that anymore, you know, you can, you can at least get the survey in front of them digitally. Um, and then coming back to the, the point you made about, you know, what's the value for patients? So what, what kind of value are they actually getting from filling out this survey, for instance? And so this is where I, I did want to talk about digital patient engagement and, and like, for instance, SeamlessMD in, in general in this space, because patients are interacting with the platform, you know, on a day-to-day -day basis, even before collecting these patient-reported outcomes. This is a solution that's designed to help guide the patient from you know, before their surgery, if it's a, a surgery intervention, uh, all the way through their surgery and afterwards. So they're getting value the entire time through education, through reminders, through um, basically every, every form of content that they're interacting with on the system. 
uh, throughout the episode. And then on top of that, the platform is then going to put in, you know, here's a survey for a patient reported outcome and patients are able to interact um, with the platform at that point. So they've already gotten value from the system and now they're going to be giving back through these patient reported outcomes. So I think that's what you were mentioning about what's the value for patients and how can we make that, um, how can we make that uh, better and more effective for patients? Yeah, I think that's so important. I mean, you can imagine a patient where if all you did was just annoy them with a survey every 30 days, why would they do it? Uh, but to your point, what we find on, on, on our platform is that, you know, when, when patients are getting so much value out of, your, out of the, the program through, like you said, the reminders, through the feedback, through the education, they're so, you know, thrilled and more than happy to every now and then give you a bit of data back to the healthcare team um, because they've, they've received so much already. And I think the other thing too, Alan, is that for a number of, of our uh, of the patient report outcomes that we do collect, um, we also immediately give patients you know feedback um, based on the data that they generate. So so not so much for the validated tools like the Hoots or Coos, but when we're collecting other patient report outcomes to track day to day progress. So let's say uh, each day we're tracking daily paid scores or um, potential um, warning signs or um, symptoms of surgical site infections and we can give patients feedback about okay like here's education on how to you know manage low-level pain or if your pain is like skyrocketed here's the right number to call or maybe in some cases for patients in our partners who actually want to monitor patients and get alerts for patients who have you know skyrocketing pain maybe a nurse reaches out to them because he or she gets alerted on seamless and so there's this, this positive feedback loop of, okay, if I give my patient report out to the healthcare team, I either get feedback or I get a call if I fall off track or I just, I'm just getting value in, in exchange for the data. It's not a one-way value train anymore. It's a bi-directional exchange of value. And, and that makes a huge difference on, on compliance for patients. Yep. And, and it's personalized as well. So it's exactly what you're saying. They, they report, uh, you know, symptom X, they're going to get specific education, specific tailored uh, care based on what they're putting into the system. Uh, I think as well, just the idea that it's more granular. So the traditional format of collecting patient reported outcomes, like you said, maybe there's six surveys over the period of a year or something like that. Uh, whereas on the system tracking symptoms day to day and, and then you know throwing in some of the validated surveys as well, you're able to collect a much more granular set of patient reported outcomes because you have day-to-day -day data from patients and you're seeing how it's changing over time uh, down to the day for instance absolutely i mean i mean so imagine right now if all you did let's say we're talking about a, a, a knee replacement patient imagine all you did was collect the normal coup survey and you collected it you know a few weeks pre-op and then you collected it at you know i think it's six weeks post-op three months six post-op six months 12 months but, but, but in the post-op, early post-op phase where the, the most issues can happen, you're only collecting it, you know, once at, you know, whatever, six weeks post-op. And if, but, but if you're a, a provider who's using something like Seamless and you're able to actually show across the first 30 days of recovery, here's how the daily pain score changes across the population um, and truly map out like, what does the actual recovery look like in an average patient? Or the maybe slice and dice it. How does that change between a patient who has an, you know, a different demographics or, or ages or, or comorbidities or different approaches to a knee replacement, different implants? You can slice and dice the data 
but that is much more valuable to slice and dice if you can map out the entire uh, pain recovery trajectory for a patient. That is so much more powerful than just, well, what's my pain at six weeks after surgery? Mm-hmm. Well, why not be able to show the entire you know, 30 day or 60 day recovery period? That is way more powerful. And imagine being able to do that, not just for pain, but for opioid consumption, for mm-hmm. range of motion for the knee, and all kinds of other metrics, Al. And it's just, uh, I mean, mm-hmm. this, the sky's the limit. And that's what we've yep. seen with our, with our partners. Totally. And, and in addition, so, you know, like you're saying with those actual, you know, reported outcomes from patients around anxiety or, or pain or range of motion, things like that. Um, taking that a step further, so it's not even just the quality of life type information, it's also important information for the clinical team. So let's say like compliance around enhanced recovery. We want to know, you know, did the patients actually mobilize or did the patients stop taking their blood thinners on time and, and all these other protocols that patients are following for these new enhanced uh, recovery after surgery uh, models of care. And so drilling down into the actual compliance and then seeing that on the dashboard, being able to actually monitor what's the population like in this enhanced recovery program. Is there a compliance issue perhaps? Is there uh, certain protocols that we're sending out that patients aren't following? And and oh. if so, or or if they are, you know, what's the what's the uh, results from that? Alan, that's a great point. So I think what's funny is historically people thought of patient report outcomes. They thought about just, um, you know, uh, functional um, status uh, metrics or symptoms. So like pain or a range of motion. But you're right. I mean, I think one of the I think one of the things that that we we've actually really helped the industry to pioneer is the fact that. Um, compliance with instructions reported by a patient is a patient reported outcome. I mean, I mean, our partners are collecting PROs, like you said, is did you do your, your pre-surgery chlorhexidine wash? Did you stop, you know, eating at midnight? Um, you know, did you do your day one exercises? These are patient reported outcomes. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but those aren't things that are encoded and validated surveys, right? Mm-hmm. But these are things that, that we've worked with partners to design and, and track. And, and, and that's a very powerful thing, especially to your point, Alan, uh, let, let's say we have insurers who decide to tie reimbursement to evidence-based models like enhanced recovery was insurer, you know, wouldn't a great patient reported metric be, did the patient do their carb loading? I mean, that might be something that an insurer might want to know at some point, right? Mm-hmm. But, but, you know, no one's normally tracking that data. So why would you even think about that? Right. But, but now we are. Um, that's really interesting. Yep. And then on, on top of, you know, is the patient actually doing the, the protocol, let's say the carb loading drink, for instance, are they actually taking it? And then is that carb loading drink actually effective? And, and they can then measure that against, you know, what is the actual outcome, the clinical outcomes for that patient? They can, you know, slice and dice the data that way. You told me a story in the past uh, from one of our partners who did pretty much exactly that. It was on the, the impact recovery drink. Um, do you want to tell that story on the podcast or? Yeah, I mean, Impact might not like the story, but but I'm sure Impact <laughs> works in, in some organizations. <laughs> but let's just say there was a certain drink that uh, that Rush uh, was giving to the patients for their their, <laughs> their, their enhanced recovery initiative. And they, they weren't sure, number one, if patients were even taking the drink. Number two, if, even if they were, was it making an impact on surgical site infections? And what they found using the patient-reported outcomes uh, compliance tracking on the team was that 90% of patients were saying they were taking the drink. But then when they correlated that back to what's been the um, pun intended impact on, on SSI is they found no difference. And so 
that basically told them like, look, you know, there's no point in giving patients the impact drink because it's not changing the metric that we want to improve. So they just use that data to make a decision to just stop, um, you know, providing those drinks to patients and then focus their time elsewhere. And again, I'm sure in some organizations with different populations, yeah. things like that drink might help, but just wasn't true in this case. And, but that's only because they had that patient reported outcome metric to help inform that decision. So, um, you know, we're seeing all kinds of ways now that these granular data points that, that are being collected on, on digital engagement platforms is being used to change practice. Mm -hmm. And exactly. And extrapolating that further, maybe, you know, there's a new pain regimen that we want to put in place. And so being able to capture the patient voice and, and uh, in addition to trying out a new pain regimen, we can then see the data afterwards. We can look at the outcomes and see, you know, was the compliance there? First question that should be always asked. And if the compliance is there, is it actually effective? And so we're able to use this, this uh, digital patient engagement to really figure out, you know, is there an impact uh, from that protocol or whatever it is? Um, yeah, I think another the neat thing. Oh, go ahead, Josh. No, no, I, was just, I, think, I think the other neat thing is that um, in the past, if you wanted to, let's say, evaluate a new intervention and collect PROs, you would literally have to um, you design a, a new study and then you'd have to decide, okay, we're going to start collecting PROs for this specific study. Well, imagine you had something like Seamless and all your patients were on the platform and every patient was regularly tracking PROs um, as the standard of care. And then let's say you introduced a new intervention, a new pain regimen, pain protocol. Um, you, would, you wouldn't have to introduce PRO surveys. Like they're already being collected on Seamless. All you would have to do is just retrospectively check, okay, let's, let's look at what, how the pain scores or the PROs um, results looked, you know, before and after the new pain regimen or for patients who did or didn't have it, however you want to slice and dice it, but we're already collecting all the PROs on, on, in perpetuity. So you won't have, you wouldn't have to start introducing them again. It's like, it's already part of the patient experience. You're getting the PROs, just slice and dice the data after. That's the power of having digital engagement. You don't have to think about collecting new PROs. You just collect them. They're there in the background. Like yep. how much faster can you do like research and quality driven? Like, like so much faster. It's incredible. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and I mean, obviously for the purpose of that type of study, it would be tracked presumably inside their, their EMR. So they know which patients are yeah, taking the new protocol or whatever, but you can also do that within seamless MD as well. We can, you know, have a checkbox. This patient is on that new pain regimen. Yeah. This one's not. And you can yeah, or easily like say, we just integrate with the HR. We, we pull that data point and we sync it that way. So. Yeah, exactly. And I think what else is neat is, you know, you're saying to, to set it up, they're collecting PROs for the entire patient population. We're able to you know standardize that. Um, the other neat thing is I think our partners have also standardized that. So we're collecting the pretty much the exact same patient reported outcomes at all these different sites across North America. And what's neat about that is uh, you can then form different collaboration efforts between these different sites that are collecting the exact same patient reported outcomes. Uh, do you want to touch a little bit on, on what SeamlessMD is doing specifically in the collaborative space? Yeah. So, you know, one good example that, that, you know, these, these, Partners have shared at you know conferences and whatnot. We have this really great multi-center cardiac uh, collaborative, as folks from you know Bay State and Montreal Heart Institute and and UAB and uh, St. Francis Hospital Long Island and, and a few others soon that that we'll be able to maybe share more publicly. But what's fascinating is that these centers are not only 
um, benchmarking, you know, a lot of, you know, very typical patient report outcomes, but because they're all kind of collecting daily granular patient report outcomes on, on CMSMD. So not just standard, you know, validated surveys, but also, you know, compliance with protocols, daily pain scores, daily opioid consumption, and all kinds of metrics, they are benchmarking way more patient reported outcomes than any other, you know, PRO registry or collaborative, mm-hmm. right? So if you look at a lot of the, you know, I think orthopedic collaboratives, they might be benchmarking, you know, a preoperative COOF survey or a six-week post-op COOF survey, but this cardiac group is benchmarking like day two, um, you know, patient report anxiety, day three, patient reported opioid use, day five, you know, every, everything, right? Mm-hmm. And the things that they've been able to, the, the, the insights they've been able to generate are just really incredible. So for example, you know, one of the things they've done recently is they've actually benchmarked, um, you know, what percent of our patients get uh, an opioid prescription and discharge. And they've extrapolated this data just from um, the patient reported outcomes on Seamless about, you know, whether or not patients reported getting an opioid. Um, prescription and how much. And so what you find is that among some very high performing centers, there's like wide variation in percent of patients getting, you know, opioid to discharge and even some variation in total opioid consumption among their patients report on seamless MD. And so, you know, when you get these variations, it starts prompting these um, centers to start asking each other, okay, well, why are you prescribing more or less? What are you doing differently? How else are you controlling pain? Let's look, at, let's look at the pain scores. Let's benchmark the pain scores. How do those look different? Does that correlate to opioid use at all? And so it's, it's creating all these unique opportunities for, for not just you know, research, but also uh, quality improvement by sharing best practices. Um, and, and so it's just been a fantastic uh, thing to see that they're really leveraging the data in a very novel way. And, and, and you know, I think part of the reason that's possible is because they're, they're actually collecting so many granular data points. They've right. really taken what it means to have a patient report out of the next level. Yeah, totally. And just for folks under, or to understand, you know, how that looks and, and what is actually happening, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but, but these partner sites are, are, are conducting like monthly conference calls where they're bringing their nurses onto the call, they're, you know, the surgeons are on the call and they're all kind of looking at the same dashboards because SeamlessMD has these collaborative dashboards set up. So you know, it's, it's looking at any PRO measure that they want to drill into. Maybe it's compliance for like mobilization, for instance, and we can see, you know, what's your center doing versus our center. And you can really quickly identify who's the high performer in which category and which PRO. Um, and like you're saying, it's, it's a great way to ask questions, a great way to share best practices, even understand what the protocol differences are at the different organizations. Maybe there's um, some more like analog solutions that they have. I know uh, one example, and I, I don't know if I can name names, but uh, one example that we have, there was a partner who um, we were looking at mobilization of patients in, in cardiac surgery, and um, one center was mobilizing their patients almost a full day sooner than the other centers, and that obviously led to a, a big question, you know, how's that possible? And uh, it, it just came out over the phone, well, we have this whiteboard system that we put up behind the, the patient bed in the in-hospital setting, and we check off whether they've done their four walks today. And it's a, it's a simple solution. It's really, you know, it's analog. It's just a, a, a little whiteboard with a marker. But that type of question and that insight wouldn't have come up unless they had these patient-reported outcome dashboards and could um, collaborate on the results and, and monitor um, all those patient-reported outcomes together. Yeah, and I think what's neat, Alan, is that, you know, historically, the only benchmarking organizations had done 
and this is true, I think, for most organizations still today, is let's look at the clinical outcomes and benchmark it. Let's pull up our, our Nesquip database and benchmark, you know, complication rates and mortality rates and readmission rates. They're still important to do, but what's really interesting about patient report outcomes is that it's almost like some of these PROs are earlier indicators of success mm -hmm. or failure. And so you're almost like being able to benchmark precursors to the clinical outcomes. So to your point, you know, early mobilization is correlated with length of stay and recovery. So if we're able to actually get patients mobilized earlier, then theoretically that has an impact on length of stay, right? Or if we're able to, you know, benchmark patient compliance with carb loading, that has an impact on length of stay and, and complications, right? And so if we're able to benchmark those things and then um, improve those, those patient compliance metrics, then we should see an impact on the, the lagging indicators, which is the actual clinical outcomes. And, and so I think what this group is doing is, is really, really novel. And I'm excited to see how other groups do something similar um, and go, go deeper beyond just the, the basic PROs and, and get into the weeds of, of you know, daily granular PROs that, that, that we're able to collect. Mm -hmm. And, and that group specifically, the Cardiac Collaborative, um, they've presented already on, on their first, I think, year or first findings from the, the collaborative. I think they presented that at, at last year or two years ago, AATS. Yeah, I think they've presented AATS, STS. They presented a lot of places. And this, I, I think we're going to expect to see lots of other specialties doing something similar in the next couple of years. It's just, mm -hmm. just going to be the norm. And I, I mean, just coming back to what is patient-centered care, it makes sense collecting these PROs on a, on a very granular level, but to really capture the patient voice, that should and probably will be uh, a very important step for um, incentive models in the future and, and really just making a, a patient-centered care approach uh, to all of our patient care that we're giving out. Um, do you want to touch on maybe the, the future of PROs and, and where we can take it? Just, I'm sure some folks have, you know, their minds are racing already at the idea of patient-reported outcomes and the granularity that we can collect, but um, where does that mean, where, where can we take that in the future? Yeah, and, and, and I think there's, um, you know, lots of opportunity to, um, you know, leverage new technologies such as, you know, machine learning with patient-reported outcomes to have more advanced risk prediction um, in healthcare delivery. So, so in the past, Alan, you know, you know, the ways that we've used risk prediction and machine learning in healthcare is, well, we know what a patient's, you know, demographics and comorbidities and medical history are. We know whether those patients, let's say, got readmitted or died or had a longer length of stay. And so we could build our risk prediction models where if I gave you this patient's, you know, demographics and medical history, and let's say the type of surgery they're having, I could tell you, Alan, well, this specific patient has a 25% risk of readmission in the first 30 days after, after their heart surgery. But uh, what we haven't been able to do is tell you, okay, well, what's the risk on, on day five or day 10 or day 15 in real time based on how they're actually recovering? Mm -hmm. And if we can't do that, then, then even if I know this patient has a 35% risk of readmission, like what do I do with that? I guess maybe I could keep a closer eye on them. Yeah. But it doesn't really give me any real-time guidance. Right. And so, you know, one of the things that, that we're working on at, at CMSMD is, well, imagine we have all that, you know, historical data about past surgical patients. And imagine that um, combining with that data, we actually have the daily, you know, patient report outcomes. Let's say we have daily data on 
symptoms and um, pain scores and incision issues during the recovery period, we put all of that into a model and we train that model. Well, imagine a future where if a, a nurse was monitoring a patient during recovery on seamless, and instead of just getting an alert because the patient had a fever, which is what we do now, and by the way, it works, but, mm -hmm. but imagine because of that model, we could say, okay, this patient who's had, you know, seven days worth of, of symptom data recorded on seamless, based on that data and the model, this specific patient, because of those symptoms, because of their medical history, they have a 40% risk of readmission in the next three days, ding, 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 you should reach out to this patient today. Like that's the level of accuracy that, that we think we can build by leveraging patient reported outcomes as part of you know, real-time guidance, real-time monitor, monitoring. That's sort of the machine learning roadmap that we're actually building out right now. And that's, I think, really the holy grail of patient reported outcomes. It's, it's not about what happened, it's about using that to determine what will happen and, and using PROs to actually you know, drive more advanced uh, monitoring uh, in real time. Mm -hmm. So it's definitely an exciting topic. I think patient reported outcomes are important now to get to that point in the future. Um, and just combining it all together again, it's patient-centered care. So actually leveraging the patient voice to give patients better care, uh, I think is the goal. And you know, collecting PROs with digital patient engagement seems to be one of the most effective ways to get to that goal. Um, so I'm excited. I think it's I think it's really a fascinating topic. And I mean, it's maybe not quite as exciting as pickleball, but but you know, it's almost it's almost there. <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, I'll tell you this, Josh. Maybe next time on the podcast, I'll I'll give another uh, reported outcome on on how my pickleball playing is going, but. We'll make, make sure you use CMSMD to, to track that report outcome. I will. I definitely will. This is great. I, I like this episode a lot. If, if folks on uh, listening to the podcast, if you have any suggestions or, or questions or comments on this episode or for the future, um, drop us a line either on Twitter or on our website or wherever you found this podcast in the first place. But um, we'd, we'd love to hear from you. We know, you know, we're, we're certainly not the only ones in this space that are tackling PROs. And, and so we have our insights, but we'd love to combine them with everyone else and, and hear what you guys think as well. Yeah. And tell um, us, do you want to hear more pickleball, last pickleball? <laughs> you got to get that feedback. Exactly. You know, whether people don't want to hear pickleball, I'm still going to talk about it. I think it's a fantastic game. So, <laughs> all right. Well, Josh, uh, we'll, we'll end it here. We're trying to keep it shorter again. So I think this is a great episode on PROs and the power of PROs moving forward. Awesome. Thanks so much, Alan. All right. Thanks, Josh. See ya. Yeah.